Hello and welcome to iGen. This is a podcast that shines a light on a unique and inspirational education program that takes place at Sherbrooke Community Centre in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. My name is Eric Anderson and I'm the communications leader for Sherbrooke Community Centre. We are a long-term care home in Saskatoon that is home to 263 residents of all ages and abilities and since 2014 has been the home of the iGen program. iGen, which is short for Intergenerational Classroom, is a wonderful partnership between the Saskatoon Public School Division and Sherbrooke that sees 25 grade 6 students from across Saskatoon working with and learning from the elders who call Sherbrooke home. The students spend their school days at Sherbrooke within our care home, which makes for an incredible learning environment for everyone involved. This is episode two of the podcast, and we wanted to focus on how the class is structured and how it evolves during the school year. Taking you through that evolution will be Carrie Albert. Carrie is the lead teacher of the iGEM program and has been since the first day students walked through the doors of Sherbrooke back in 2014. She is a highly respected teacher within Saskatoon who has made a difference in the lives of so many students and elders in her time as the iGEM teacher. She is also passionate about helping other teachers explore possible intergenerational relationships and this conversation really comes from a lot of questions she received from teachers who were curious about the nuts and bolts of iGen. In our conversation that you're about to hear, Carrie shares how students really grow throughout their year in iGen and why treating each student as a unique person is so important. She also explains why communication with the Sherbrooke staff is so vital to making sure the school year runs smoothly. At the end of the podcast, I'll let you know how you can send questions and comments to Carrie and myself here at Sherbrooke, and I've put our contact information in the show notes as well. All right, Carrie, the podcast is yours. I'm Carrie Albert, lead teacher of the iGen program here at Sherbrooke, um, in partnership between Saskatoon Public Schools and Sherbrooke Community Centre. I'm a grade six teacher, and I am very excited to be talking about more things related to iGen today. There we go, um, Carrie. What like when you're when you're getting ready, like at the start of the year? Can you take listeners and teachers and parents to maybe what those? I was going to say September, but it's really August. You're, and you're probably thinking in July too. But like, what are those last couple of weeks in August like as you get ready for an iGen school year? Well, the first thing, Eric, that, that I start thinking about is our, our schedule and how we are going to um, juggle and figure out our time in both worlds at the school, uh, College Park School, and at Sherbrooke Community Centre. So I know there's some things I know for sure. And one thing I always know is that the majority of our our elder activities are going to take place in the morning. I also know that um, my teaching partner is going to be working with me every morning. So for five mornings a week. So those two uh, facts or two sort of solid bits of information can kind of help me think about what uh, each day might look like, knowing that the elder activities are mainly going to be happening in the mornings and knowing that um, I'm going to, we're going to have to be spending some of our day at Sherbrooke and some of our day at College Park. I also think about uh, drop-off and pick-up for the students so that I can prepare them and their parents for how that would look. We must always do pickup at College Park, and those are for supervision reasons. So at the end of the school day, kids always, um, their parents always come for them there. That's because when I have appointments or things happening after school, there's always other people there to help with supervision. Whereas if we were to do uh, pickup at, at Sherbrooke, I would have to ensure that everybody was picked up before I could leave the building. And so it's fine for drop-off to be at Sherbrooke in the morning. In fact, families really appreciate that because the parking situation is always um, hectic in front of schools and around schools. But um, 
in terms of after school, they do have to, to retrieve their kids from College Park. So essentially what I'm thinking about is how are we going to begin our day at Sherbrooke and how are we going to end our day at College Park. So that's where um, consideration around my prep time comes in. So I, I work with uh, my prep provider, which this year is our band teacher who offers a band class to our students three times a week for in order for me to take my prep um, requesting a band period that happens later on in the day cl as close to the end of the day as possible and so with those kind of cornerstone um, uh, periods school learning periods in mind I can we can build our our schedule around that so this year, uh, what it looks like is we start our morning at, at Sherbrooke Community Centre. We have literacy, we have math, we have elder activities, which always in integrate uh, social studies, science, health, art. And then after lunch, we go over back over to the school where we have... Uh, phys ed time in the gym we have band three days a week we have library period and we have access to the school computers so that the kids can be working on research projects and different things using uh, the computers so so just a few things going through your mind at the end of august <laughs> just a few things i'll also mention another another cornerstone of our program is our reading time, which we have every single day or as many days as we possibly can. Ross McKay is our elder here at Sherbrooke that reads uh, with the kids, that is part of a key part of our literacy block. And his time to come and read with the class is always right after lunch. So we like to keep that period um, protected and sacred. Um, knowing that that's a time that works for Ross's schedule and it works for our schedule we like to to protect that period so now in our in our schedule we know a lot of things as we launch the school year we know that p kids are going to be coming to Sherbrooke we know that our morning is going to be um, math some literacy elder activities we know that our lunch is always going to be here at, at Sherbrooke as well so that the kids can enjoy the cafeteria service and we can do um, re a recess break here which offers more time for us to interact with elders we know that right after lunch is going to be our reading with Ross period and that is going to be followed by us walking over to the school where we will have Band, phys ed, computers, um, uh, did I say phys ed? Yes, I did in the gym. And always pick up, parents will be picking up at the school. I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but um, what? why is it important, Carrie? Like you, you, you mentioned logistically in terms of starting your day, start the kids starting the day here at Sherbrooke, you know, easier for, for drop-offs for, for parents. But, um, you know, for College Park is very close to Sherbrooke. Um, I think people would understand if you wanted to start at College Park and then come over to Sherbrooke. But what? why is it important for you to actually begin the day here at Sherbrooke? It is important for us to begin the day here at Sherbrooke because elders are getting up and having their breakfast. And they often have flexibility in their day in the morning after they've eaten their breakfast. So we know that um, lunch for elders happens in their own homes at a certain time. Because of COVID, we can't eat with elders right now. Um, we know that after lunch, elders often have a rest uh, or a nap. And we know that a lot of the global events that are happening here at Sherbrooke often happen in the mid-afternoon. So our window of opportunity for interaction with elders and to find ways to offer um, clubs, activities, different small group opportunities really is best in the morning. Um, some elders get up early, some elders get up later, but we know that there's a pretty much 100% likelihood that sometime throughout the morning we're going to be able to connect with people um, in, during time that's not booked for other things. 
thank you for explaining that. Um, so when when the school year begins and and the kids are getting used to the schedule and you have that that elder time, what like how how do those relationships begin to form? Because I, I know you want to talk about the development through the year, but what what are those first few interactions like between students and elders? It's very much a, re- a gradual release of responsibility model that we follow for the beginning of the school year. And what I mean by this is that the first few weeks are my cooperating teacher and myself bringing the group around the building, leading them around the building, and modeling how we would interact with elders. So we spend a lot of our time just working at the beginning of the year on where we're learning in Sherbrooke, what our class schedule is like. We keep everybody very close together during those first few weeks. And what we do is we we concentrate on, as we move around the building, modeling how we would address, interact with, make conversation with, offer, you know, simple pleasures and simple, um, you know, conversation and attention toward the elders that we meet. And the kids really quickly get used to the idea of who um, is out and about in the hallways that they also can visit with and they learn people's names. Um, Another thing that we do very early in the year is a, a direct lesson and direct practice around how to help an elder get from one place to another. So that is a very direct lesson, and we always invite some elders who are who like to teach and lead to come and talk to the class about this with us. Can, so, I, can yeah. I stop you right there? Because yeah. I, I didn't realize that you actually did focused lessons on bringing an elder from one place to another. What, what does that lesson look like? So... It's usually Lorna and I at the front with a whiteboard and one or two elders that use a wheelchair uh, teaching at the front as well. And it's basically, here is how you approach somebody who's using a wheelchair when you are there to help them, to assist them to get from one place to another. At Sherbrooke, we call that portering, when you porter someone. So we teach the kids how to be a porter. So it's things like um, first you approach the person and you say hello, you introduce yourself, you ask what their name is, um, you explain to them why you're there. I'm here today to help you get to this particular event. Um, I understand that you want to go there today. Is that somewhere you'd like to go? So always asking them. Um, is it okay if I help you? Is this still something that you want to do? Because elders having choice and voice is really important. Then it's um, may, um, do you have your brakes on? May we, may I take your brakes off or would you like to do that? Checking to make sure they have their seatbelt on if that's appropriate. And then how to um, let them know that we're now we're going, okay, we're going to start going, and how to converse with somebody as you're doing the portering, um, pointing out things in the environment. I, I tell the kids that sometimes it's good to pretend that they're doing a YouTube video and they're walking through the hallway and they're explaining things that they see in the hallway or asking questions about things that they see, um, trying to you know frame it in ways that kids are familiar with you know, that, that kind of language or that kind of discussion and approach. And it is amazing after they've been taught that lesson and they've had a couple chances to practice, they really do get quite comfortable quickly with the idea of how to walk up to somebody, how to introduce themselves, how to help them get from one place to another. And that's sort of the entry point for, for making those elder connections very early in the school year. Thank you for explaining that because I, I didn't realize that happened. But I do know like how important a role your students play in bringing elders from from big events, whether it's like a, you know either a bingo in the morning or perhaps a, a concert in the morning church. Like there's a there's a lot of there's 263 residents here in the building and only so many staff. So like they play a big role. But then it also sounds like too that's it's the building blocks to relationship building. 
Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And we find that if students know a step-by-step -step how to approach somebody who is in using a wheelchair, who may look different than them, who may be a different age or communicate in different ways, if they've been taught step-by-step -step how to, to approach someone, they seem to gain a lot of confidence quickly and they have a structure in their mind around um, what to do and they don't seem to feel as insecure or awkward in situations. They seem to know um, what direction to take and what actions to take in, in any given situation. And that seems to be the confidence builder that's needed to launch them into, you know, more um, unstructured or more natural relationship building opportunities. So then as, from a teacher's perspective then, when, when do you know that, uh, you know, it's okay to, you know, um, let off the reins a little bit and, and allow the students a bit more freedom with, within Sherbrooke? When, when do you know the time is right? We do a lot of reflecting at the beginning of the year. Well, we do a lot of reflecting all throughout the year, but each day part of our, um, you know, language building and, and confidence building is spent talking about and reflecting on the things that happened earlier in the day or the day before. And I know, we know that it's time to, to do more of that gradual release when during our reflections the students are, um, are showing more confidence, they are saying that they're feeling good about being here, they feel more secure knowing where everything is, they know some adults that they can call on in the building if they need some support. Um, all of these pieces are part of the reflection that we do each day. And so when during those reflections, we're you know beginning to see that the students are feeling better, they are feeling less nervous, they're feeling more secure in the schedule, they know where people live, um, they're familiar with the layout of the building, then we know we can start releasing a bit of responsibility. But it happens very gradually, and it's a process that I would say goes on until almost till um, December. Okay. Yeah, it's a very gradual, um, very gradual process. So adding something more every day that's a little bit more independent um, until we're certain that the students feel confident and and. and and sure about what they're doing, we want to make sure that there's always a teacher or an adult there to support. Do you, because you, you have 25 students in your class, um, like are, are there some students that are maybe ready for more responsibility earlier or do you, do you take more of a, we're going to do this as a group or, or can you, can you select different students to say, okay, I think so-and-so is ready for a bit more, whereas another student might take a little bit more time? Is that an approach, or, or do you take more holistically, Carrie? For a lot of things, we take the holistic approach, but what I ask students um, as different opportunities come up is for them to volunteer. So let's say there's an elder activity happening, um, and this is maybe October, and I know that neither my teaching partner or I are going to be there um, at that activity because we're busy doing other things. But I do know that there's going to be a rec staff in charge of that activity. I would ask, I would tell the students, this is what's happening. You're going to go to a, let's say, for example, a Jeopardy game. And there's going to be a rec staff in charge of that who feels confident and ready to, to go and try that out. And then I wait for the kids to volunteer and we figure out who's interested. And then usually what we do is pick sticks. Very important in iGen that the kids feel that there is a fair system for who gets the privileges because there's always exciting things and big jobs happening in the building. And so their sense of fairness around um, everybody getting an equal op opportunity is really, really important to them. So I would say, how many of you are interested in trying this, you know, more challenging activity where I'm not going to be there or my teaching partner isn't going to be there? They s put their hands up and then from those students, I would select, let's say, five sticks for the people who would participate for this particular thing. Thank you for explaining that because I, I can remember my, in my brief teaching career, I, I 
I like I should have been more holistic, but I had a certain <clears throat> excuse me, a certain few students that I I really trusted that I would often go back to them, you know, when it came to matters of responsibility and and stuff like that. But that that's so interesting because, like you said, there's always lots happening. Um, and everybody develops at a different speed, but like you said, you don't want to you don't want to play favorites. No, exactly, because the the whole you know foundation of this program is that we believe these kids are world changers, and each and every one of them has a gift, or gifts, or skills, or talents. They all have come here for a reason, knowing that this is part of of what they're going to be doing during their school day. They expect that they will be given challenges. Um, Our job is to help them see and find within themselves those things that make them shine and then give them opportunities to to practice and to to foster those, those particular things. So the last thing we ever would want is for students to feel that they're being passed over or not selected, um, it's better for it to be a question to them. How do you feel about this activity? Do you feel confident, comfortable? And if they come up to us and say, I just don't feel ready, then we say, that's okay. Here's something else that you could do where maybe there is a bit more support, or maybe you're a person who needs to go with a, a peer. You always need to have a peer partner when you go out to do something. That is perfectly okay. So it's finding those ways for the kids to feel confident and supported and never to completely taking away the option. Right. So you've, you've sort of brought listeners then up to about Christmas time, December, mm-hmm. and, and students are starting to gain that confidence. Um, and you're seeing that as a teacher. Uh, Christmas break happens, um, you know, nice two weeks away, and then you come back in the, in the new year. Um, how how do you see uh, things changing? Or I guess maybe what what is your approach uh, when the students come back after Christmas? Okay, so by Christmas we have a fairly established daily schedule. So I think this would be a good time for me to go through that. Mm-hmm. When we come back in January, the schedule continues, um, give or take a few you know a few changes, a few activities that. Um, you know, maybe added in, we may be adding some additional opportunities in because the kids are, are used to how the schedule rolls. So by January, here is what the schedule looks like. The kids arrive at Sherbrooke at 9 or before. The earliest they can come is 8.35 because of supervision. When they get here, they spend uh, the first few minutes in a soft landing, you know, kind of visiting with elders when they are coming in going downstairs and getting their adventure packs, which is their kit of school supplies that they need to to do their work, Um, along with their field journal. They come to the learning space that we happen to be in for that day, and they get themselves set up. Usually 9 to 9.30 is a literacy block, but that looks can look many different ways. It can be, can take the form of a class meeting, it can take the form of a mini lesson with some sort of notes. It can take the form of uh, looking at our week at a glance or looking at our, our calendar for the month. It can be a time where we're, you know, talking as a class about an upcoming activity and they're getting some direct instruction around that. It can be a discussion. Um, that first 30 minutes is, is usually a time that we use uh, for a literacy focus but it can take the form of lots of different things depending on what we need. Promptly at 9.30 each day, uh, for sure Monday to Thursday, we have math. We find that our, our schedule also in the morning needs to be built around always accommodating time for, for math. Math is direct instruction. It looks very typical. It would be the same kind of a math lesson that, that you know one would see in any grade 6 classroom in, in Saskatchewan. Um, the kids often are um, you know, working on practice questions. They're listening to videos, doing you know, some Khan Academy, uh, learning the teachers, instructing them on um, you know, different uh, processes or different strategies. Uh, they have time to do their assignment. 
that happens every day at 9.30. So when the kids come back in January, they know that math happens at 9.30. Our recess break is from 10.15 to 10.30, and during that time, the kids go to various parts of the building and help with pet care. So we have some students that do um, care of birds, some students do care of cats, um, some look after the guinea pigs, but they're all assigned to different parts of the building. So the recess break is a break for them. It's a time for them to interact with, you know, people in Sherbrooke, but it's also a focused time where they have tasks that they need to do. At 10.30, everybody comes back to the learning space, and that's where we branch off into elder activities. So we know that on Monday mornings at 10.30, we have a group of five students that go off to Veterans Village, and I accompany that group. My teaching partner, Lorna, stays back with the others in the class, so the other 20 students in the class, and they work on um, an assignment of some sort, an ongoing assignment. So lots of times on Mondays, it is an, uh, a math assignment, so it's Following up from the direct teaching, they now have something that they're working on individually or in a group, while I take five students to Veterans Village. That happens from 10.30 to 11.30. Our lunch break is always at 11.30. The kids eat at 11.30 because the cafeteria gets very busy at 12, and so we have an arrangement with the cafeteria that if kids want to come and buy lunch, they can do that at 11.30. At 12 o'clock, we have a bit of a, like a body break or an activity break where we either go outside or we do some games, indoor games and things inside the building. At 12.30, that's when Ross comes and he does a literacy block with the group until 1.10. He does a read aloud and we do uh, literacy activities every day um, as much as possible unless there's a, you know, a disruption for some reason, he has an appointment or we have something else going on. And then at 1.10, three days a week, we walk back to the school at that time. And when we return to the school, the students have band, they have uh, outdoor recess at the school, and then the last period of the day is library, phys ed, or computers. The other two days a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we spend a little longer with Ross we have um, an activity called Say Something Time where the students practice their public speaking skills. They bring something from home uh, that they wish to, to talk about and they have different tasks that they need to work on in terms of improving their, their public speaking and presentation skills. Um, often that additional period we use for health or social studies or something a little bit more focused. Um, Tuesday mornings, we have activities from 10.30 to 11.30 also. During that block, we have a Games with Dennis, which is a fourth floor um, activity with elders. Five students go to that. One student goes to help at the front desk. Five students go to work with uh, elders on Kinsman Village. It's called KV One-on-One. -on -One. So the students do activities of the elders' choice during that time. Five students do. And then again, the remainder of the students who are not in a club or a group stay back with my teaching partner, Lorna, and they work on an assignment. So it's, a, it's an independent work period. So that could be a math assignment. It could be an ongoing science assignment. It could be a social studies assignment. It could be a, a drama assignment, just depending on what we're working on at the time. Oh. <laughs> Do you have like a color-coded calendar, Carrie, to keep track of all, of all this? Well, I, I, you know what? I, it is funny because when people come and work with me, like right now we have teacher, a teacher candidate and we have an intern from the College of, Edu a college of, uh, of English, um, uh, like a student doing their, their English uh, honors degree. And they, and they ask me about our schedule, they kind of look at me and go, huh? <laughs> I think probably parents who are hearing about the schedule might feel the same way. But by January, it's really cool. The kids know exactly what's happening. And the fact that even though every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have different groups happening, mm -hmm. 
everybody knows which groups happen on which day. The other thing I need to point out is that five kids go to each group at a time and they stay for five weeks. Hence the beauty of having a class of 25 students. The reason we do it that way is because we want all the kids to have the chance to do each of the groups, each of the clubs throughout the school year. But at Sherbrooke, to accommodate all 25 students at once in different spaces is way too much. It's way too many people and it's way too much energy. So doing it this way where five kids go for five weeks to do an activity and then they switch up with five different kids allows everybody to try everything to meet all the different people in the different locations, but it also makes it um, manageable and feasible for the elders who are participating and the staff that's looking after the groups. Wow. So you're going to have five kids that are doing games with Dennis, but that group is also going to spend Monday mornings with you mm-hmm. in Veterans Village, and then they'll spend some time in Kinsman Village with the one-on-one time. Wow. Right. Yeah. Which is also why uh, these you know, independent work times work so well. Because let's say a student is in a Monday morning group of five, and so they're away from the independent work time on a Monday morning. But they don't need to worry about it because they might not have something on Tuesday. Tuesday is again that independent work time from 10.30 to 11.30, so they get an opportunity to do what the other students were doing on Monday. So it's a nice balance between having elder activities pretty much every day, but also making sure that the students are getting their work done and they have enough time during the school day to work on finishing assignments and getting teacher support for the academic work that they need to do. One of the many things I love about this program is how the the students and you, and yourself and Lorna you're you're everywhere, you're utilizing all different spaces. But I I also know too that from a teacher's perspective, it's a lot of work to arrange for those spaces. Um, how Carrie, how do you go about um, working with all the different staff in the building to make sure that Monday mornings are free to go to Veterans Village and that Dennis is free on certain days for games. How do you go about doing that? So that, we have to rewind back to the beginning of the year again. That's something that that we spend time um, planning right at the very beginning of the school year. So Eric and I um, and Brenda Craig often, um, and Robin Kitchen has been helping a lot with this this year also, we get a schedule together for the whole entire year of which learning spaces we're going to be using on which particular day. At Sherbrooke right now, there are three learning spaces that can accommodate our whole class, teachers and a couple of elders. And so the majority of the time we are moving between those three spaces, but it's all scheduled out on a calendar so that each week and each day, everybody in the building knows that iGen is using the Carter Center, for example. That space has been booked, so they do their things in other spaces. Or let's say the Carter Center is needed for a Sherbrooke event, then we would not be in the Carter Center, we would be scheduled in a different space. So that's a very important part of our planning at the beginning of the school year is um, allotting learning spaces. It's really, critical as a class that we have a room where all of us can meet together because that togetherness and the ability to reflect and debrief and and get instruction as a group is part of the success of this program. It also needs to be big enough though so that if elders want to come in and join us they can also come in because that's part of our, our connection too is allowing Elders, uh, you know, an open invitation to come and join in our learning and discussions. Um, From there, what we start doing is going individually to the rec staff and chatting with them about how things look for the year for their programming. Um, Do they want to have some kids come up regularly? What might that look like? Um, Do we want to follow, you know, activity models that we've used in the past or do we want to create something new? Um, what day of the week might be a good day for, for the kids to come. It's always that 10.30 to 11.30 block. 
again, because it works for, for elders, it works for rec staff, it works for the students, it just seems to be a time that works for everybody. Um, so that's an individual process. I also have uh, a, a texting communication system with many of the rec staff where if iGen isn't going to be here, I can let them know that ahead of time. If there's a disruption to the schedule, either the rec staff or myself can let each other know that there's a disruption and that helps us sort of stay organized. My teaching partner Lorna and I meet um, at the beginning of every week for an extended amount of time to go through the week plan and we actually type it all out so both of us have a copy of what's happening during the week. We make notes on things we have to, um, work we have to do, things we have to finish, people we have to talk to. So that detailed part of keeping the relationships and the communication going with so many different people here at Sherbrooke is shared between her and I. Um, it's, you know, as you were going through all the different communications that you're doing, I, I've, I was just thinking about how those conversations that you have with the recreation staff in each neighborhood must be so critical because, um, you know, not, not only to get a sense in terms of how many students perhaps are needed in, in specific neighborhoods, but like there, there, there might be new residents, new elders that, um, you know, happen throughout the year. And, and yeah, that, that just, I, I don't know if there's a question there, but that just got me thinking like those relationships and those conversations to know, you know, who the elders are and, and what their needs are is so important. One of the absolute best things about being at Sherbrooke and being having been here for nine years is that the rec staff um, and, and our group have established really great relationships based on consideration and mutual respect and mutual... Um, like a shared goal that we're going to find things to do that help everybody feel good. Um, the rec staff have given so much positive feedback around the kids, their abilities, their behavior, their, um, you know, their enthusiasm. They're just cheerleaders for the kids 100% of the time. And I feel like the kids know that they can go anywhere in the building and they can always call on any of those those people that they worked with for support or for help or to answer a question. In many cases, um, when it's possible, the kids can go as their group of five to work just with the rec staff. Um, sometimes we, as teachers, have to go along too, depending on the amount of you know communication and conversation skills needed uh, for the activities, but. The kids do get a chance to develop relationships with the rec staff on their own without Lorna and I also. And that really adds to, um, I think, everybody's feeling around here of ownership around this program and, and the, the belief and feeling and, you know, um, uh, reminders and reinforcements all the time that this program and these kids really do enhance the lives of the people that live here and, and have programming here. So it's great that we all share the same vision and and have taken the time, all of us, to build the relationship needed to keep that vision alive and to keep those good things going every year. That was very nicely put. That was a nice answer to the question I didn't really ask. <laughs> but just, it just got me thinking, yeah. Um, so as so you, you're, you're really in the groove um, January, February, that the spring comes on. And then I know like after Easter break, like it just seems like things go really, really fast. And there's a big day in June that's approaching too. What, what are the last few months like in iGen, Carrie? So we're approaching that time now. We're, um, we're recording this podcast in uh, the beginning of March. Well, actually it's closer to mid-March now, I guess. We're in our recruitment and uh, open house month. So a lot of the time that we're spending right now is around um, planning recruitment visits. We're doing virtual visits into grade five classrooms in Saskatoon Public Schools. So each student in the class gets to be part of a presentation to their home school grade five group. 
Um, we go in for 20 to 25 minutes uh, on a virtual call and we teach the grade fives about IGN, a little bit about the program, um, some things they could expect and how they might apply if they're interested. And the kids really give them, kids from the current class really give them a lot of, um, you know, encouragement and food for thought around why iGen would be a great uh, choice. On March 21st, we are having our open house, which is where grade five students and their parent can come into Sherbrooke for a 45-minute session. Uh, they receive uh, a short presentation. Um, then we go on tours. The students, the current students, take uh, a leadership role on the tours, and elders help with that as well. So they take the new uh, grade five students and their families around the building and talk to them about our program and all the different spaces and things that we do and our philosophies here at Sherbrooke. I know that this is a highlight, not only for the families and kids that are visiting, who always leave feeling really inspired by the confidence and leadership skills, also the love and acceptance in the building. Those are sort of the two main things that people leave with. But the current class loves having the opportunity to own and to teach and to lead um, tour groups around and to be part of the, the oral presentation where they get up to the microphone and they talk about what they enjoy about iGen and why kids should apply. So that's a big thing in March. Once March is over, we really start to help the kids decide who their special elder is going to be. Um, this year, with the help of, uh, of an elder who's also a teacher and principal, we're planning a, a journaling um, project where the kids will get to select one special person, one special elder that they've worked with sometime this year in one of the groups, um, someone that maybe they'd like to spend a bit more time with before the end of the school year, and they're going to be given um, a task to do together. By the time June comes, usually those two, the elder and the student, have established a, a little bit more of a, a closer friendship um, because we've you know, built time into our schedule for them to, to go off and do things on their own. And then in June, well, May and June, we work really hard on kind of wrapping the year up in the best way we can. We go on a camping trip, usually at the end of May, beginning of June. Uh, lately, we've been going to Pike Lake, which is a, a lake uh, recreation area fairly close to Saskatoon. We do overnight camping, and the elders come during the day to take part in some of our activities with us. And then... Towards the end of the month, we hold our, our, grade, our grade six iGen graduation where um, the student's special elder do, do present them with a, a scroll, a graduation scroll, among a lot of other cool things that we do at the graduation. It's a huge highlight, um, really a time of celebration. It's super emotional, highs and lows you know everybody's sad to say goodbye but also really pumped about the awesome year that they've had and um, you know full of a new sense of who they are and what gifts they can give to the world and so our schedules relax a little bit I would say kind of in after Easter in that you know later April May and June we start um, you know changing things up taking more things outside um, putting the focus more on the special elder connections and then try to round up the year in a in a really positive way um so like we we could do a whole episode on the open house we will do an episode on the graduation because that's just like one of the days that's just one of the best days um we could do a whole episode on on pike lake and go there's lots of lots of things happen out of pike lake um and just to give people context too, um, Carrie, when you're talking about like doing things outside, um, like it's March 13th today, and it's it's minus 20 something with the wind here in, in Saskatoon, so it's it's still a little chilly to go um, outside. Um, I am I am conscious of time because I know that you received some questions from from teachers uh, after our first episode and, and I wanted uh, to give you a little bit of time if you wanted to address those questions at all and and uh, and talk to teachers out there 
Sure. So most of the questions that I received were around logistics of the program. Like, how do you actually do the program? How do you schedule it? How do you set it up so that you're achieving, you know, your curricular outcomes while also, you know, building up the elder relationships and having the intergenerational element in the program. So I feel like throughout this particular podcast, you know, we really have addressed how the schedule looks. Um, I think, um, you know, some of the other questions were around um, how to communicate and kind of keep all of the the players on board and part of the conversation, part of the relationship. And so I'll go back to something we were talking about a few minutes ago, and that is communication. And I'll just talk a little bit about that uh, for the teachers out there because it's really a key piece of, of, of how this is successful. Um, we believe that the more information we can give and the more details we can provide, the better it is for everybody. So going back again to that 9 to 9.30 time block um, each and every day, I really look at that time as, um, you know, a, a language building time, but it's a time where I can and the kids can and we all can clarify our roles, uh, what our responsibilities are with, with any given thing we're doing, and, you know, get really clear on the details of activities that we are doing. The schedule moves really quickly. It's never a dull moment here. There's always something new. Um, things are changing. New things are being added. We're be being given new invitations to join in. And so it's critical that as the teachers, the lead teachers, we involve the students in what is happening with as much information as possible. That being said, that's the philosophy for everybody involved. So when I go to chat with a rec staff about something that we're planning, I try, we try to do the same thing. How many uh, details can we provide? The time, the place, how many kids, um, what exactly they're going to be doing, what we can set up in the environment so that everybody's super clear on what their roles are. Same thing when it comes to um, uh, parents, you know, in the program. We, we try to write out a very detailed um, monthly newsletter which explains what's happening, uh, when the deadlines are for things and timelines. Um, we try to always make a monthly calendar. Calendars are really, really important where we've written down on each day what classroom we're learning in here at Sherbrooke, what special outings or activities are happening throughout the month, what assignments are going to be due on which days, and the kids glue that into their field journal. The parents have that in their email inbox. Again, everybody knows what's coming up. Um, Week at a glance, every week on Monday morning or the first morning of the week, we go through what we're doing each and every day so that everybody knows what is happening. I think that the, the communication and the very clear um, scheduling and planning is critical to the success of this program and, and so that everybody can settle and be grounded in what we're doing. So as teachers out there who were wondering, how do you make this work? I just reiterate again the importance of communication and pl planning, having the end in mind with things such as emails, details, cal a month calendar and a week at a glance calendar clearly in place. If things have to change, that's okay. People are really good about that. We use the Remind app um, to communicate uh, with parents, um, you know, kind of quick little things like tomorrow's a spirit day, remember to dress in red, or um, we're not meeting here tomorrow, we've made a change, we have to go here, just so that everybody has a quick way of, of hearing, you know, updated information. But having that end in mind and planning things out in a really detailed way helps for everybody to calm down, ground into it, and see we are addressing all the curricular outcomes. 
safety is being considered. We have made detailed plans that are super clear so everybody can relax and feel safe. I know you've you've done an amazing job in this episode of answering all, all those logistical questions, but I also think too, like taking listeners through the logistics of of the program from like middle of August right till the end of June, I think I know they're gonna realize like all the amazing benefits that are just built into, you know, the 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 fibers of, of this of this program. So um as always, I learn so much from you every time I talk, I talk with you. And I know I know listeners have as well. Best of luck with the open house in, in eight days. How are you feeling about it? Thanks. Yes, we're really excited. Um, it's always so much fun to meet the grade fives who walk in in wonder and uh, their parents who come through the door. It's always amazing to, to stand back and see Sherbrooke through their eyes also Sherbrooke is above everything a home. It's warm, it's welcoming, there's art on the walls. It's um, people feel comfortable here and it's amazing during a 45 minute session how quickly just the environment alone and the, the, the philosophy and attitude and culture here just sets people at ease and allows them to, kids especially, to see themselves here. What would it be like if I was here every day? So that is the best part of the open house is the the pride, the ownership, and then just you know being able to stand back and see this beautiful home through the eyes of new visitors and watch them relax and, and settle into to the welcome that they're receiving here. Thank you for your time, Carrie. Thank you, Eric. I love being on podcasts. <laughs> it's my new favorite thing. You're very good at it. I can't wait for, for teachers and, and anyone else listening out there, parents, um, any you know, long-term care um, admin or management or anybody for that matter who has questions to email us with you know, any further queries or, or um, wonders because that's how we're going to keep these episodes going. So please take the time to email us in some feedback and some some questions if you have any. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of the Welcome to iGEM podcast. My name is Eric Anderson, and our guest today was Carrie Albert, who is the lead teacher of the iGEM program here in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Now, if you have any questions for myself or Carrie, most likely Carrie, or if you have any comments or suggestions or even ideas for future episodes of the podcast, please feel free to send us an email. Carrie's email is albertk at spsd.sk.ca. And my email is eric.anderson at saskhealthauthority.ca. Don't worry, our emails are in the show notes as well. We hope you found this episode helpful and full of information that will give you the confidence to try and start an intergenerational program in your community. I want to thank Carrie for taking time out of her busy schedule to speak with me on the podcast. And I also want to thank the Saskatoon Public School Division and Sherbrooke Community Centre for their support of this brand new podcast. We can't wait to bring you more stories of iGen. And if there are specific things you want to learn and hear about relating to the program, again, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.